So this morning, actually, let's start to last week. In case you missed last week, uh, we started a series in the book of Acts. And if you did not make it here last week, uh, and if you haven't listened to the podcast, or you haven't watched our line, or you haven't paid me 100 bucks to come re-preach it at your house over dinner, um, I want to, <laughs> I'm kidding, it's only 50 bucks. Uh, I want to encourage you to take the opportunity to listen, because uh, it is so easy in our lives to get distracted from what God has called us to do, and it's so easy in our lives to forget about the power that he has given us to carry it out. And so there is no better 27 minutes, I think that's how long it is, to spend this week than listening to that message uh, and seeing what the Lord has to say for you. So I want to encourage that. Now with that said, uh, we're going to take a break from Acts, which is very unusual when you start a series taking a break after the first week. But there's been a topic that has been kind of just stirring in my heart the last few weeks and then some, some things that have happened uh, these past few weeks, been doing a ton of counseling where this topic has really uh, just kind of cemented that I needed to stop and talk about it today. Uh, and that's the topic of forgiveness. Now, because I, I want to give a disclaimer before I get into this, this is one of those topics where a lot of you who have shared problems going on in your life with me, or I've done counseling with you, you're going to be like, wait, is he talking to me? Is he saying things to me? Listen, I, 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 I say this because I get this asked a lot. Were you trying to talk to me in this message? I guarantee you, whatever problem that you're going through, a whole lot of other people are going through that same problem. And so don't get distracted. And if I'm trying to talk to you, uh, I want you to listen. If you feel a tug on your heart, I want you to a better question to ask is, is the Holy Spirit talking to me and trying to work in my heart through this message? Amen, church? Amen. Amen. All right. All right, so this morning we're going to uh, be in Matthew 18, so you can open up or turn on your Bibles. Uh, if you, we also have it on the screen up top here this morning when I walk uh, through it. There was a story I saw several years ago, and it was about a mom who had a young daughter murdered. And the man who murdered her young daughter was eventually caught, and he was sentenced to death row. Now, for families... When a criminal is caught that has done harm to one of their family members, it, even though it, it doesn't necessarily minimize the pain, it can bring a sense of closure, uh, knowing that that person is going to receive their due justice. But not for this mom. She said that even after this man was caught, she was consumed with hate, she was consumed with rage, to the point that her friends and family noticed and they advised her like, you need to forgive this guy. It's eating you up. But she said, she said she didn't listen. She said she lusted for revenge. She actually thought of ways to hire another inmate that could kill this guy while he was in prison. And she said for years, this went on. And she said something that struck with me so powerfully. She goes, I became a prisoner to my unforgiveness. And as she shared her story, I felt really bad for her, not just for the loss of her daughter, a pain that I can only imagine, a, you know, a pain I, I don't even want to imagine, but I also felt sorry for her because of how much she was affected by her choice not to forgive this man. Now, it would be easy for any of us to look at her situation and, and sympathize with her struggle to forgive but in reality, it is even in the little offenses of life that we can struggle to forgive other people. 
Over my 16 years of ministry and in my own life, I have watched the tiniest of offenses become the largest and most divisive issues because of people's struggle to forgive one another. In fact, some of you this morning might be sitting here struggling to forgive somebody. Someone that hurt you recently, someone that hurt you a long time ago. It may even be someone who's not even alive. Who are you struggling to forgive this morning? Does anybody come into mind? Can you see their faces? I pray the Lord would show us. Now, as we turn to Matthew 18 this morning, we find Jesus teaching his disciples about relationships in the church. And as he's doing this, Peter poses this question about forgiveness. We're going to pick it up in verse 21. It says, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, when first reading this, I was, I was curious, wondering why, why would Peter ask this question? Now, if you grew up in a, a, uh, in a kind of a rabbi culture, which, you know, in that culture, you probably, Jew, around Jewish rabbis, which I'm mean, guess none of you grew up near, uh, you're going to understand why he asked it. A lot of Jewish rabbis taught that you should forgive somebody up to three times. Three times you could forgive somebody. And the fourth time, if they wronged you, it was on them. Because if you've forgiven them three times, you've shown them, hey, I'm a forgiving person. I've done it three times. Fourth time, you're done. Right? It's like the original three strikes and you're out rule. But if you notice, Peter doesn't ask about three times, right? He says seven times. And I don't know why, but I'm assuming based on Peter's track record, if you know his personality, I'm guessing he was trying to sound spiritual. You know, he was standing around with his other disciples and he's like, hey, Jesus, how many times should we forgive somebody? Should it be seven times? Looking to his disciples, forgiving seven times, not three, seven. Look at me, Jesus, seven times I forgive. And how does Jesus respond to this? Does a little mic drop on Peter. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or your version might say seven times 70. And I'm sure Peter was quietly moving to the back of the disciples as they all giggled and laughed at him. Now, when reading this reply, there's a word that stood out to me, and the word that stood out to me here is not. He says, not seven times. Peter, not seven times. Like Jesus, the fact, Jesus saying, the fact that you are even putting a number of this shows me you don't understand forgiveness. Let me tell you what I mean. I'm going to use an illustration for this. Do you remember, anybody play the game of Monopoly? Anybody in here? You know, the game that destroys relationships and marriages, right? I've asked you guys this a few times. I use Monopoly as a lot because it is a great game to express human depravity. Um, so there's a rule, because and, and, most of you probably don't play by Monopoly rules. Um, I don't know many people who do. But there's a rule that you can sell a property at any time for any price that you can get for it. So when I was growing up and I would play with my aunt and my other cousins, I would get so... I still have anger issues about this. I get so angry with her because she would bankrupt somebody 
Like one of my cousins, and then what she would do, like they would owe her like $2,000. And she would like let them sell like Baltic Avenue for $2,000 to pay off their debt. And I'm like, why are you doing this? You have crushed them. They are out of the game. This is not family monopoly. Okay, this isn't we make everybody feel good, right? This is supposed to be the ugly side of capitalism showing through. Let's crush our enemies. I would get so mad. And she would simply say, honey, those are the rules. In the same way, when it comes to forgiveness, it's, it's in our nature to put limits on the forgiveness that we will show somebody. And we all have different limits, different lines. And when they cross that line, forgiveness is gone. Unless they're willing to pay the price. But God says, no, those are not the rules. And this is one of the reasons that we struggle with forgiveness, okay? And you know what? And I'm going to stop right here because this is one of those sermons where you are going to be tempted to start thinking about the people in your life who do not forgive. You may be even thinking, oh, I wish they were sitting here listening to this message, okay? Do not do that because this message, though I wish it was for them, they're not here and you are. So my encouragement to you is do not get distracted by other people you think that need to hear this message. Make sure that you are listening to this message for yourself. Amen? Amen. So this is one of the reasons that we often struggle with forgiveness because we think it's a choice. We get to choose. We get to set the rules. But the reality is the exact opposite. Forgiveness is a command. It's not a choice. Forgiveness is a command. It's not a choice. It's not optional. Now, this can be a hard pill to swallow because if you think about it, one pastor put it this way. He said, forgiveness is hard because it is one of the most irrational things that we do. It goes completely against our human nature, our desire for fairness, our desire for justice. I mean, when somebody wrongs you, where are your, your mind and your actions jump to first? You want them to know that they wronged you. You, you want to show them how they hurt you. You want them to feel what you felt. And in the worst case, you want to get revenge. As that bumper sticker goes, I don't get mad, I get... Yeah, some of you smile a little too much to that one. I should check the parking lot after service is over. <laughs> now, since human nature hasn't changed... Over the last 2,000 years, I guarantee you, the disciples would have struggled with this as well. And so to help the disciples understand what he was saying and to help us today, he gives us a parable, a story to reinforce the point. Verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, since he was not able to pay, the king ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this time, and, and at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. He says, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. Jesus says the king took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But, when the servant went out, he found, out, fell one of his, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. 
And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But the man refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. Now what I find so interesting about this parable is how could a man who received such forgiveness turn around and not pass that forgiveness on? And then I noticed something as I was studying last night. The man in this parable, he was brought before the king, right? He didn't go to the king about his debt. He was brought before the king. The king sent men to go grab him and get him. And suddenly the man found himself in trouble. He wasn't seeking to make things right. He just got caught. And so what was the man probably the most interested in? Saving his own skin, right? Remember like when you were young and you did something wrong and your parents caught you and you said, I'm sorry, mommy. Now, did you turn on that sweet little voice and the sad puppy dog eyes because you were repentant in your heart at the depravity of your sin? No, you did not want to get your backside smacked around by a wooden stick or a belt. That's why you turned on the puppy dog's eyes and said, I'm sorry. See, a person in life who is only concerned with saving their own skin walks away from situations and they say, whew, glad that one worked out. And this is what happens when we come to God. Some of us grew up learning about this God who is going to judge us and throw us into hell if we don't stay on his good side. And so we constantly want to do things for God so God will not punish us. And we feel better when we do enough good things. We go to church and we give some money or we, you know, we serve, we say a prayer, and we feel like, okay, I'm better with God now. And then what happens is because this is our mindset with God, it turns around into our relationships, because your relationship with God directly funnels to your relationship with other people. And, and, and because you do these things to make yourself feel better, like you're right with God, you require that of other people before they can be right with you. You will say, I'm sorry, or you will go do this and do this and do this before I will show you any love or kindness again. But this is not what God's forgiveness is based on. It's not based on what we have done to earn his forgiveness. Nowhere is this taught in the Bible. Nowhere. I don't know how so many people in our country and the world grew up learning this other than they've been taught this, but there's nowhere that this exists. But in verse 27, we see an example of God's forgiveness. If you look back, when the servant fell on his knees before the king, why did he forgive him of his debt? Why did he cancel it? It says, because the king took pity on him. Or your version may say uh, in the Greek, took compassion on him. This was the reason, compassion. The man literally did nothing to earn this forgiveness, this canceled debt. In fact, he wasn't even coming to see the king. The king had to go grab him and drag him in, and he still forgave him. Now, maybe you're a better human being than I am, but if I have to drag somebody in in front of me to be able to forgive them, I ain't dragging them in. 
kicking their hiney to the curbs. The point is that compassion lies at the root of forgiveness. Compassion lies at the root of forgiveness. You cannot not forgive somebody because of somebody else. If you can't forgive somebody, it's because of you and your heart condition. And it's only those who understand the compassion of God who are truly be able to forgive other people. Compassion is what drives this command to, com- to forgive. It's compassion. Compassion. See, when you understand that you are no different than other people, that you are no better than other people. When you understand the same sin that is in you is in them, that you given the right choices or the right wrong choices and the right circumstances, that you are capable of the same sin that they committed. When you understand this, you are able to have compassion on them. See, pride is what prevents forgiveness. Even in marriages and small, you know, conversations and arguments, pride is there. When children can't forgive each other, it's because of pride. You've done something to me, and I am better than that, and I should be treated better than that, and I wouldn't do that. Deep down, we believe when we're full of pride that people cross the line that we would not cross. How could they? And they don't get our forgiveness unless they earn it. Unless they earn it. But when you understand what Jesus is saying in this parable, there's no room for pride. None. The man who owed the king 10,000 bag of, bags of gold without going into the details that would bore you all, it would pretty much be worth millions of dollars today. Millions of dollars. And the other guy who owed this man what was 100 silver coins, it'd be like $2,000. So the man was forgiven a million, millions of dollars and he wouldn't forgive $2,000. To, to bring it down, it'd be like your bank forgiving your $300,000 mortgage. And then you sending some debt collector named Guido to break the thumbs of some dude who owes you 30 cents. It makes no sense. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make. What could someone possibly do to you that you could not forgive in light of what God has done for you? No matter what someone has done in this world, no matter how unspeakable and horrible of the things that we do to each other as humans, they're all temporary. None of them come close to being saved from eternity in hell by the grace and mercy of God. This is why Paul writes in Ephesians 4.32 to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Notice none of the qualifications for forgiving somebody is found in what the other person has done. It says forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. After giving this parable, half this parable, he finishes out. And in this second half of this parable, he explains what happens to people who do not forgive. And we should all pay special attention to this. 
Verse 31, it says, when the other servants saw what had happened, that the man was choking the guy who owed him 2,000 bucks, they were outraged. And they went and told their king everything that had happened. And then the king called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And it says, in his anger, the king handed him back over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back everything that he owed. And Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The point being here is that if you do not show forgiveness to other people, it is a sign that possibly the forgiveness that you receive from God, you don't really understand and you really don't have your faith in. That you're all your religious steps of going to church and going to church and singing songs is a way to earn your, your place with God. That you don't truly understand his forgiveness. You see, unforgiveness, it leads us away from the freedom of heaven. And it sends us into the prison of hell for all of eternity. This is why after teaching the disciples on the Lord's Prayer, he says this. Jesus says this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their sins, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That should scare us straight. Once again, not because you are earning God's forgiveness, but because forgiveness, passing forgiveness on to others out of compassion is a sign that your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. And listen, and, and prison doesn't, it, it, free unforgiveness doesn't lead to just prison in the next life. It leads to prison in this life. I mean, think about the definition of prison. It means what con confinement, captivity. You, we often allow unforgiveness to become a prison in our relationships. Why? Because when we have unforgiveness to somebody, we start to avoid them, right? We start to avoid them. We'll stay out of the same room that they're in. We won't call them. We won't respond to them. We'll, we'll, we'll feel awkward around them. Like we can't be ourselves. If they're out in a group that we're going to go in, we can't go. It confines us. It imprisons us. I mean, how many grandchildren haven't seen their grandparents because of the unforgiveness of their parents or grandparents? Or how many people have been forced to choose between their friends because of unforgiveness? How many no longer serve or even come to church because of unforgiveness with somebody else? I cannot tell you how many times I've watched people leave a church because they couldn't simply forgive another person in that church. And most of the time, I, in my experience, they don't even end up in another church. And it's this prison, it's, it's, it also is an internal, because we carry that angst, we carry that bitterness with us. It keeps us and prevents us from experiencing the joy of the Lord, experiencing his forgiveness.
So let's talk about how we can avoid this prison of unforgiveness. Because even if you don't have somebody right now that you're struggling to forgive, give it a couple hours. Check your Facebook, make a phone call, go to ShopRite, go home and talk to a family member. It's coming. All right? Here's what I think we can do to prevent unforgiveness building in our lives. This will literally change your life forever if you can adopt this. I think one of the reasons that we struggle with forgiveness is because we see it as a passive action, okay? We think of forgiveness as a passive action. If somebody hurts us, it's our nature to pull back from them. We'll pull back one way or another until that person makes an attempt to make it right, okay? We stop talking to them, you know, we'll stop seeing them, all the things I just talked about, right? But this isn't what Jesus did. The forgiveness that he gave to us, he didn't pause. He didn't wait for us to just come to him. He wasn't sitting up in heaven and saying, all right, when they, when they get desperate enough, I'll come on down. He didn't do that. No. He pursued forgiveness. Jesus gave up everything in heaven, came to earth, died upon the cross for our sins so that we could experience forgiveness. When we want other people to suffer, you suffer, I forgive you. We would never say that out loud, but we say it in the way that we treat them. But Jesus suffered so that he could forgive others. We, like Jesus, need to pursue forgiveness. Right here, if you put this in your life, this will change and prevent unforgiveness from ever building up in your life. It will keep your heart tender towards others. This right here, this is where prisoners are set free. This is where the glory of God is shown. This is where relationships are healed, where wounds are healed. This is where hope is found when we, like Jesus, pursue forgiveness. You remember in the beginning of my message, I talked about that woman whose daughter was murdered by that man, and that man was in jail, and she lusted for revenge. She said 12 years later, after he was caught, 12 years, she decided to write him a letter. And in this letter, she told him that she forgave him, that she forgave him for murdering and stealing her daughter away from her. And she said, I remember watching, she said, the most amazing thing happened. She said, I walked down to the mailbox and I opened up the lid and I dropped the letter in. And she said almost instantly, instantly, the, door, the moment the door of the mailbox closed, the bitterness started to leave. She felt the weight started to lift. And man, that struck me. I mean, why was it in that moment that all that hate and rage was gone? I mean, she didn't know if the man would respond to the letter. She didn't even know if the man would get the letter. She didn't even know if the man cared that he killed her daughter. For all she knew, he wasn't even sorry other than getting caught. And yet, and yet with, despite all of this, the mother felt the immediate benefits of forgiveness in that moment. Why? because she decided to pursue forgiveness. Forgiveness is not based on how the other person responds, or the freedom of forgiveness is not based on how the person responds to your forgiveness. 
It's based on you choosing to forgive. It's choosing to say, this person who hurt me, I'm no better than they are. In fact, the hurt that they caused me, I could be blown out of proportion because of my own sin and my own failure. I'm no better. So they don't need to earn it with me because Christ didn't make me earn it. He gave it to me. And so I'm going to give them forgiveness because I know the same God that's working on me is working on them. And even if I can't see the work that God is doing in them, God can. And so I will choose to forgive. And so it's my prayer this morning that you will have this idea of pursuing forgiveness cemented in your heart. And maybe it means telling somebody you're sorry for how you treated them. Even though they hurt you, you're going to apologize for how you reacted. Or maybe if they have wronged you, it's showing them an act of love, a text, and a card, a phone call, reaching out to them to say, I still love you. out of compassion. You know, and it might even be someone you don't even see anymore. It may be someone who's dead and gone. But maybe you still write them a letter, a letter you know they'll never get. And you tell them, I choose to forgive you. There's a million possibilities of how you can pursue forgiveness. I couldn't list them all, but I don't need to because you have the Holy Spirit of God to tell you. But I guarantee you now, there's no doubt in my mind you will be hurt by other people. It's going to happen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And with every pain and hurt that comes across your life, you're going to have to choose either to pursue forgiveness or not. And as you don't, your heart will become harder and harder and harder and harder. And you will have struggle to sense the joy and the glory and the peace of knowing God's forgiveness. Or you will make the choice to pursue forgiveness in your life in the smallest of things. And you will sense the peace and the glory of God working in you and those around you more and more and more and more. Until the day you close your eyes for the last time, you open them up and you see your Father in heaven saying, good well, job well done, good and faithful servant who forgave as I forgave you. Let's pray.